This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Dude, goat men are always crashing the party. Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I recently finished watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I recently finished watching Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. We watched both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we went. And now we're watching Gilmore Girls, A Year in the Life, as well as reading the Buffy Season 8 comics. And this week we're discussing part three of season eight of the Buffy comics, which is issues 21 through 30, as well as a whole bunch of little standalone issues. It's getting weird. I mean, it was already weird. We're starting to see where this is going, at least honestly ended on a cliffhanger. There's a lot happening. There's a there's a lot happening. (laughs) Yeah. Very harmony centric. Yeah, it really is. In other news, we've been playing a bunch of Blood in the Clock Tower, which is a game we've discussed on the podcast before. It's a hidden role game, sort of like a werewolf or mafia. And we just filmed ourselves playing with a bunch of friends. We've literally played like three times this week. It was last weekend that we filmed it, right? Yes. And then we had our regularly scheduled monthly game this week. And then we just, we wanted to play again. So we just threw together an impromptu game at a bar in our neighborhood and got some people to come. Yeah, there's this bar down the street from us that is, let's just say like very not our vibe at all. It's like Mm. very... It's just, I would say just like a lot of like angry seeming dudes with big watches. Is that That's what I would describe it as. Sure. Yeah. A lot of them just randomly have camouflage on. We live in New York City. It's a block away from us. It's probably the closest bar to our house, but it feels so far out of New York City. Yeah. And they've got a huge back area that usually has like a ton of people being loud back there. And I was like, well, there's got to be enough space for our events. And I, we went there and it was just us back there. We had this huge patio to ourselves. It was awesome. Yeah, because it was a little chilly out, but we, we didn't really know like if a bar on a Saturday night would just have space for us to play this insane culty seeming game. Yeah. But we were like, this place probably will have at least a little space and it. it had so much and it was delightful. Yeah. There was heaters on. It wasn't that cold out. The food was just okay. Not that you are looking to go there, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, the guy was super nice to us. One of our players was going to go outside to smoke a joint, some marijuana, which is legal in New York. And the bartender saw him and was like, oh, hey, uh, you could just do that in the back. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, you guys are the only ones back there. I don't, I don't care. No one cares. I'm like, right, cool, man. <laughs> so he just stood in the corner. It was maybe a little weirder. <laughs> but yeah, we are going to hopefully start editing that one we filmed. That's quite an undertaking. It was a lot of cameras. Everybody was mic'd individually. It's going to be a huge editing project. This ain't no Brian and Stacey TikTok. No. This is insane. And honestly, it was, uh, I'm so mad at myself. I was evil both times and just, I got destroyed both times pretty quickly. But it was fun. We got some good content. It was fun. Yeah. I'm excited to share those with you guys whenever we get them edited. We also are making our way through Gladiator, guys. I don't know where we were last time. We've been watching it 15 minutes at a time. We, we watched, watched about another 15 minutes this morning. Yeah. For, with breakfast. And we're getting to the end, guys. We almost know how Gladiator ends. <laughs> I think we have one more session of Gladiator. The actor who dragged himself to death, I think, has died now in the, in the yeah, movie. Yeah, there's some shots. I'm like, this looks like it's from a different movie for sure. Mm-hmm. Someone filmed this on their phone. And <laughs> it doesn't look good. Yeah, their phone from the year 2000, too, really would not look good. 
Well, I don't have too much other news. We're both just kind of getting caught up on life still after our trip. We've been home like three weeks. I still feel like I'm so behind. I haven't posted our pictures from our trip yet. Yeah. So there's just been a lot going on. But I think our calendars are a little clear, at least until the holidays when we have to do some traveling. But I'm pretty sure that these comics and the rest of the year in the life, which is just a few more episodes, should get us through to the end of the year. So. Yeah, and then we'll decide what to do after that. We are also listening to the Buffy Slayers book. We've talked about that before and more info on that coming up. Yeah. But today we're doing the comics. So as you guys may recall, the last arc that we read had Buffy being sucked into the future where she finds out that Dark Willow is still alive and being dark. So Buffy has to kill Dark Willow. But she goes back to the present and doesn't tell Willow that, hey, you're going to go dark and live a super long time and I'm going to kill you. And it's kind of eaten Buffy up a little bit. Then there was one more episode after that, or one more issue rather, where Buffy just has a big long nap and she dreams about what it was like to be in high school where things were a little less complicated. And it was kind of a nice throwback to like early season one and two of Buffy. The vibes. And we read that one where Willow has a little vision quest and meets her snake lady. Yes. Fuck goddess. I don't know what she is. That describes her, I think. Mm-hmm. So here we are starting the next episode. I keep saying episode, but they're comics. Issue? Yeah. Can you summarize the arcs that we read this time? Me? Yes. Did you think I was talking to the listeners? Yeah, I thought it was a little pop quiz for the class. Yeah, so generally what these were about is Harmony is involved. And she has become like a reality star and has made vampires seem very cool. And vampires are now very accepted and it's like cool to get sucked off by a vampire. And the vampires, most of them respect this and don't actually kill people because they can like just live their lives now and not have to fear slayers. Also, people hate slayers because they kill the vampires and they Mm. think they have too much power. And there are some slayers that are doing some like bad things that are giving the slayers in general some bad PR. Yeah, so this is sort of like a power shift. I don't know that it really makes sense, and we'll dive into that, but uh, let's talk about it. Yeah, so issue 8.21 is called Harmonic Divergence. Harmony is at some nightclub trying to get in using her two cute little doggies. She doesn't get in, but Andy Dick is outside getting photographed. (laughs) Is it Andy Dick? It definitely looks like him. Yeah, so like a few pages later, she's like looking at the TMZ report of this event, and... It says hot vamp gets a taste of a dick. A dot dick, like Andy dick, but they're trying to be sensational. And it looks just like him. Yeah. But yeah, she like takes him back into an alley and she bites him. This gets photographed. And then she explains to us that vampires are hot gets for tabloids right now. She also explains that some dudes kind of get off on getting bitten as long as it doesn't kill them. And she uses this to seduce an agent into letting her pitch a reality show about her life where she goes to parties and bites people. Yeah, it's insane. She's pitching to MTV, hey, vampires are real. I'm a vampire, but I don't kill people. I just like suck them a little bit. Yeah, and it works. And she gets a show called Harmony Bites. Before we go any further, we got to address what's happening here. So the world is aware of vamp. I mean, they're aware of slayers. So they must be, the world at large must be aware of vampires. Mm-hmm. But, like, vampires are just evil. 99.9999% of vampires are very evil. So, like, you'd think people would be anti-vampire and not at all sympathetic to them. I mean, I guess if for the most part they're not killing anyone, then it's probably a little liberating. We're going to go into this plot more. But up until this point, vampires aren't just sucking a little bit. They are straight up killing people. Yeah. So you'd think, like, people would be like, 
pro slayer anti vampire. Well, they're not. It's that thing in Buffy where it's like, how do people not know about this shit? Like every day, there's a hundred vampires killing people. Well, we see Buffy and Willow reading a magazine, kind of shitting on Harmony's show. It says like MTV is vamping for time. Yeah. Harmony's on the cover of another magazine that says sexiest girl not alive. And Willow's like, whatever. She's no Tina Fey. <laughs> Love that she's into Tina Fey. Meanwhile, we meet a girl who's trying to quit her girl gang, but then like suddenly becomes a slayer, which makes fighting her way out of this gang much easier. Once again, she turns 16 and like gets slayer powers. So like, is it connected to age? Because she specifically says, I turned 16. On my birthday, I decided to say no. Yeah, but Buffy was 15, I think. I know. I think it's inconsistent about how this stuff works. Yeah, it's it's unclear when people are becoming slayers. Is it still when someone dies? It, like, triggers someone? Or is it anytime you're 16? There's that girl with the bat at the baseball game in the season finale of Buffy. I suppose she could be 16, but she definitely looks young. Right. Like, was she becoming a slayer in that moment? Or was she just, like, realizing her potential? No, I think she was definitely becoming a slayer in that yeah. moment. In, in which case, yeah, are like eight-year-old girls becoming slayers? Or 90-year-old women becoming slayers once that? Yeah, I wish this was just kind of clear. So this girl becomes a slayer, beats up her gang, and is like, I'm done with that. She's soon recruited by Andrew. She's hesitant at first because of Harmony's show. She's like, vampires don't even always kill you. What's the big deal? But Andrew convinces her to come talk to Buffy. It's kind of funny. He says Buffy talks a lot. <laughs> we see some <laughs> snippets of what Buffy says, which is duty, honor, evil candy. Sometimes there are snakes. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, general things Buffy says. We also see in the background a horse, like, maybe trying to hook up with Dawn and Xander and Willow or, like, trying to keep it at bay. <laughs> yeah. Dawn right now is a centaur. She's half human, half pony. More on that later. I've been giving this a hard time, but some of the stuff with Harmony is pretty funny. Like, she's got these two super cute dogs. I guess she's got more than two. She's got a bunch of these cute dogs that she's got little costumes for that she just brings with her everywhere. Yeah. And she's written really well. Like, mm -hmm. her voice is really captured, like most voices in this. Yeah. She also has a great line when she's pitching her show to MTV. And she's like, yeah, and then it can be about me hanging out with my friends. And then you guys can cast my friends. <laughs> <laughs> she just doesn't have friends. But this new Slayer's not so sure about joining the Slayer team. She thinks it sounds like another girl gang, like what she just quit. So yeah. she's going to go kill vampires on her own. She goes to get her gang tattoo covered up when Harmony comes in with her reality show crew and Clem, who's holding her little doggies. He's her friend. Yeah, I guess. Does that happen in Angel? Like, when, when did this happen? I don't know. You don't? Maybe? It might? No, it doesn't happen in Angel. I, okay. I have no idea. It has not happened in the comics, so they've just decided to make them be buddies off screen, I guess. I mean, Clem's a fan favorite. They're trying to bring him in. Clem says he's got a little cartoon duck tattoo somewhere. Yeah, and then he like pulls out his flesh to look for it. He's trying to find it. But this new girl's like, wait, Harmony's a vampire? I'm going to find a way to get along with her. So it seems like she still wants to be a slayer, but she just doesn't want to be part of some like group that tells her what to do. Yes. Harmony's show is shooting a fake party that night for people hoping to get bit. So this girl's plan is to pretend to be an extra at the party. She's desperately searching for a steak since they confiscated hers at the door and she grabs this dude's like clapboard. She heads up to Harmony. The two of them have a confrontation and Harmony straight up kills the Slayer like live on television. Was it live? Yeah. Reality shows aren't usually live. Maybe it was. 
Well, I mean, I don't know if it is live, but I mean, it's in front of a huge group of people. So. They don't edit it out. Yeah. From a viewer's perspective, it does seem like the Slayer just decides to kill Harmony, who at this point isn't doing anything evil. Yeah. And this does really well in the ratings because people like Harmony and this portrays the Slayer as a villain. Buffy and her friends are watching this and it's pretty funny because Horse Dawn is just like sitting on the floor of a living room while Willow braids her horse tail. (laughs) (laughs) Harmony's producers are super excited about this because they find out there are a ton of Slayers out there. You can also notice that her whole staff all have gauze on their neck. They've all been (gasps) drained. I didn't notice that. Harmony goes on Anderson Cooper with one of her dogs, and Anderson definitely projects a message into the world that this army of slayers might not be so great. Yeah. Like, who are they to appoint themselves our guardians, and who's going to protect us from them? That's the end of that issue. I do like that we're kind of revisiting that whole thing that happened to Riley. And this is on Angel season four as well. But there's an underground network of humans that, like, get off on vampires feeding on them. Like, they don't die, but they let vampires feed on them. So I like that we're kind of being like, no, that's still a thing. And, like, maybe we're going to expand what that means. And, like, humans can get off on this. I kind of like that we're revisiting that. Okay. Well, the next issue we read is called Harmony Bites, which is just a little episode of Harmony's show. She is on a job interview to be a bartender where she admits she does not know how to bartend. Afterwards, she bumps into this vampire named Justin, who she sired, but he hates vamp life because he was big into tanning. Yeah, what? (laughs) He tries to stake her, but uses a fence piece that's pointy on both ends, so she just shoves that shit right into him and then calls Clem to come pick her up. Why is she besties with Clem? I think they also live together. Yeah, it's unclear. Maybe he got cast as her friend. Oh, sure. He's an actor now. Just, you know, living publicly like that. You know, vampires are a thing, but are they? is the world aware that weird-ass-looking regular nice demons are a thing? Yeah, I really wish the comics explored, like, what is the world like now? People yeah. are aware of all this stuff? Like, how is that affecting anything? All we know is that the world is aware of vampires because of Harmony Show, at the very least. Well, Clem had been on a date with another loose-skinned demon, but she had work done. So yeah. she looks amazing now, apparently. Well, when you say amazing, I feel like she's got, like, a permanent smile Because she's, like, stretched. Oh, yeah. Harmony is mad that Justin wasn't more grateful. And Clem's like, eh, you are kind of awful sometimes, and you use people. She doesn't like this, so she throws a froyo at him. They argue. And then it just ends with, like, a cut to a commercial with a poll for the viewing audience to text in who they think is right in that fight. Yeah. After the break, they've left each other. Harmony's plotting to kill Clem, but Sweetie Pie Clem is trying to be understanding. We also find out he knits. Mm -hmm. I do like this because it's reminding us that Harmony is evil. Like, even Mm. though she pretends to be nice, she is evil. She's ready to kill her friend because he was mean to her or was truthful to her. He comes home. She goes to bite him, but his sweater has a high neck. So she just gets a mouthful of yarn. And then they they laugh and laugh (laughs) about how she tried to kill him. Yeah. And they make up. Harmony gets a call that she got that bartending job somehow, and it ends with a little next time on where we find out that the boss at her new job wants her in vamp face all the time. So she invites a bunch of slayers to come so she can stay mad. Mm -hmm. Her dumbness just comes through really well in the writing. I do feel like they they figured out Harmony's character. I feel like in Buffy, she was just sort of a dumb bimbo vampire, but like... By the end, they're like, no, we figured out a way that she's dumb and funny and, like, evil, but, like, we can keep her around. 
The next issue, 8.22, is called Swell. In Japan, Satsu and Ayumi are dealing with a big old monster carrying a sack when Kennedy parachutes in to help by, like, ray gunning it? Kennedy is there for a performance review of Satsu and to remind Satsu that Buffy isn't gay, I guess. Yeah. Also to convince her to get a different flavor lip gloss because it was, like, identified that Satsu was in love with Buffy because she kissed her when Buffy needed to be revived and, like, the cinnamon lip gloss was the smoking gun. Mm -hmm. They don't actually kill this monster, but they cut off his arm and take his sack. No worries, he's got a bunch of arms. (laughs) And they find a vampy cat inside. What's a vampy cat? You know, a vampy cat. Uh Uh-huh, go on. It's like a new stuffed toy that's a cute little vampire cat. Oh, okay. Kennedy theorizes people are into thinking vampires are kind of like cute ever since Harmony's show took off. The big monster goes back to like his master, I guess, and explains how his vampy cat got stolen, which is what he wanted. It was bait. This guy doesn't look good. He looks a little sucked up powdery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, uh, his master has like red eyes and like a melty face but also has a big shadowy red-eyed minion coming out of the shadows to kill the monster. Yeah. Because they're down with him. Yeah. Classic evil dude kills their own henchmen to show how evil they are. And uh, then we learn that vampy cats are maybe sentient. Maybe? (laughs) The one Satsu recovered is like sneaking around the Slayer house, like creeping on people while they sleep. And the next morning, it seems as if vampy cat has done something to Satsu. Yeah, Satsu gets very suddenly, very cis, hetero, traditional values, stay-at-home wife kind of vibes. Yes. She's wearing a traditional outfit that signifies she's ready for marriage. Yeah. (laughs) And she's, like, talking about how she wants to stop being a slayer and start having straight sex and babies. And how slayers are, like, these self-righteous soldiers running around acting like they know what's best, but maybe they're the evil ones. Kennedy's like, okay, let's get you to a witch doctor. And then Satsu just starts, like, punching her, and they get into a big fight. She punches Kennedy across the room? Yeah. Well, I mean, they're both slayers. Yeah. Kennedy kicks Satsu so hard, she barfs up the vampy cat. Yeah, she she hits her, like, Gohan hits Cell in the stomach. That's for two people. And mm-hmm. she barfs Not me. out the vampy cat. And vampy cats can talk, apparently. This is a lot. <laughs> he says, I am discovered, my brothers. Use what I have given. Strike at the heart of the beast. They eventually kill it. It's goo gets all up in Satsu's mouth. She snaps back to normal. They're like, what the hell was that? So they take a helicopter to the Santorio Corporation headquarters. Now, this is the corporation that these vampy cats were stolen from. Yes, this is what was written on the sack that the vampy cat was in. Mm -hmm. They kill the dude with the red eyes, go through his computer, and realize a ton of vampy cats are being shipped out. Specifically, half a million of them are currently on a boat to Scotland, which is where Buffy is. Cut to the boat, which is full of red-eyed, melty-faced guys. The name of the boat is Dio Kaiju. Oh. I mean, I know what Kaiju is, but I don't know what the D-A-I means. I don't know. Satsu and Kennedy have stowed away, hoping to blow it up with fireworks. They get caught. It means large. Oh. So the name of the boat is, I'm going to say redundant? it wrong, Dio Kaiju, which is large big Godzilla monster. monster. <laughs> yeah, like big monster. <laughs> okay, well, that's a premonition there. Some foreshadowing. We find out that the melty-faced dudes are like hatching pods for vampy cats, and then suddenly a bunch of vampy cats come aliening out of these dudes' chests, wanting to eat the Slayer's ovaries, 
which they hope to achieve by climbing inside their mouths. That is just such a fucking funny line. It was like, eat their ovary. <laughs> it says, eat their fucking ovary. <laughs> That's what it says. One was already inside Satsu. Did it eat her ovaries? And didn't have enough time to eat her ovaries. Okay. The Slayers start chopping their heads off, slashing their bowels open. Shit gets fucking violent, dude. <laughs> yeah, really does. As one of them dies, holding its innards, it shouts, My death is meaningless, Slayer scum. Nothing can stop the swell. What's the swell? And then they all just, like, join up like Zords to make one big super vampy cat body who lets mm. us know he's working for Twilight. He's the swell. But... Satsu thinks fast and uses the fireworks to, like, flare to signal the Slayers and the nearby submarine to fire on the vampy cat. Satsu says she took the sub from some vampires. They report this back to Buffy. Meanwhile, Harmony is on Larry King talking about how the mean, mean Slayers blew up a bunch of innocent vampire kitties, and he agrees that that's just awful. So the Slayers are a little worried that the world thinks they're the bad guys now. More hated and feared than the actual vampires, and it ends with Satsu deciding it is time to get a new lip gloss. Wow. That was a pretty fun issue. The vampy cats made me laugh a few times, and it was funny juxtaposing their cuteness with their, like, vulgarity and, like, the violence that we saw. I know. They're just, like, holding intestines at some point. Yeah. They reference the submarine later, and someone's like, we have a submarine? Yeah, well, I mean, they have a lot of money. They've got other stuff. It's not crazy that they have a submarine. You think it's the same submarine from Angel? Yes. Yeah, I'm going to assume it is for no reason. The next one we read is just, a. it's like two pages. It's called Vampy Cat Playfriend. It's a little commercial for vampy cats. This little girl is being bullied, and then this, like, goat man shows up and gives her a vampy cat. Then the bullies start making fun of her for the vampy cat, which greatly offends the vampy cat. He just goes absolutely nuts on the bullies. He rips out their eyes, their mm -hmm. intestines, their brains, which makes the little girl very happy. And then the vampy cat bites her just a little bit. Just a little bit. Because she's so sweet. And the little girl loves it. <laughs> the end. Oh, vampy cats. Just let's just know that they're cute and wonderful and nice. You think they ate her ovaries then? <laughs> <laughs> Back to the main story. Issue 8.23, Predators and Prey. Andrew comes busting into Buffy's control room to deliver some big news to Buffy, Xander, and Willow. He has a lead on the rogue slayer, Simone. Remember, she was the one into guns? Yeah. Simone now is going around with her band of rogue slayers, and she's just, like, kicking people out of their homes in Milan and just, like, taking over an island as her own. So it's, I, don't know, it, I don't know that she's killed anybody, but she's definitely beat up people, and she's definitely, like, displaced people. He's got intel that her lieutenant, Nisha, has been trapped by a spider demon. So Buffy and Andrew are going to go find her. Xander's like, uh, are you sure about spending hours traveling alone with Andrew? And Buffy's like, no problem. I can totes handle it. And then we get several panels showing them traveling <laughs> by plane, train, car, just filled with text of Andrew chattering on about various Andrew interests. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Star Trek, Star Wars, I mean, the whole gamut of things. Ending with him talking about Daniel Craig as James Bond. And finally, Buffy is like, stop. This is so funny. Next page. I also like Daniel Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good misdirect. You think she's just like so over it that she's like, no, I like Daniel Craig. <laughs> we saw this in the comic. 
when we found out Willow likes Tina Fey, they were like both listing people they were into. Mm-hmm. She's like, I've run across rooftops like he did, and I was scared for him. <laughs> <laughs> I was still scared for him in the movie. She comments how good Daniel Craig looks in swim trunks, and Andrew's like, yeah, I have no opinion on that. Okay, Andrew. Yeah, it's funny that the show, that the comics are trying to like have him not address his sexuality when it's clear he's a gay character. Yeah. They get to the spider trap, which is surprisingly a web made out of metal pipes mm-hmm. with Nisha trapped in a big pig bubble at the top. She's not happy about it. She's like, hurry up, get me down. That thing is coming back. That thing being a giant, very realistic looking spider. Then Nisha reveals that this spider demon died out centuries ago. And the only reason this one is alive is because Andrew basically Jurassic Parked it back to life in order to trap Simone. He hadn't mentioned that part. Yeah. So Buffy's annoyed at Andrew. Meanwhile, Nisha is freed from her trap by Simone. She showed up. She's really embracing the fact that society finds Slayer's threatening now, so she can be her bad, bad self. She stun guns the spider, grabs Nisha, and teleports out of there. She had mentioned that she's got a witch friend helping her teleport. So Buffy's scolding Andrew for doing this. He says he did it to win her approval back since he thinks it's his fault that Simone went rogue in the first place. He's come so far being a part of the group since they first met and he doesn't want to lose all that. Yeah. But Buffy's just pissed that he lied. But since he created this demon, he's able to track it. So they hop on a boat to an island where they meet a sad little girl talking about this angry woman that took her home and made everyone leave the island. But her and her grandma stayed and things are bad. Buffy's like, don't worry, I'll save you. They track Simone to an old opera house. They're about to go in when Andrew, like, stops Buffy to try to make sure that they're good. He's like, we might not come out alive, and I want to make sure I've said everything I need to say to you. And now I have. Wait, I think Spike is edgier than Angel, and you totally tried it up. Also, I liked when you cut your hair. Okay, now I've said everything. (laughs) That's very funny. So they go in. Simone's in a big theater filled with her followers, which are also slayers, I assume. Simone kind of reveals her master plan, as villains tend to do for some reason. Right. Again, since everyone hates them and wants to kill Slayer, she figures she'll just embrace that, be the bad guy, and kill everyone. Or use that fear to her advantage. Not necessarily kill everybody, but do bad shit. They're going to breed Andrew's spider creature to help with this. Andrew's like, no, no, don't do that. Give me the spider. Simone's like, fine, but then give me Andrew. And Buffy's like, hmm, tempting, but no, sorry. And then they fence. Buffy swings on a chandelier, which she then slices down with her sword to try to kill Simone, but she's fine, and she pulls a gun on Buffy. Andrew's like, I'll stay, it's fine. But Buffy's like, no, Andrew's coming back with me. I don't abandon my people. Simone's like, cool, I've got like 16 slayers and a gun, and you're just one slayer. And then Andrew hears in his earpiece, on your left, then all of the fallen heroes of the Avengers show up. Kind of. That's probably how he retells this story. (laughs) (laughs) The unrogue slayers from Andrew's squad bust in to save their watcher. Andrew. And they're on his left. (laughs) They still can't really beat Simone's crew since they have guns, but then Buffy grabs the gun and threatens Nisha with it to unhand Andrew. She says, give me back my nerd. They let him go. All the good slayers leave. And as Buffy leaves, she shoots the lock on the spider cage and just lets the spider go at Simone and her crew. I mean, they'll be able to handle it. They're all slayers. Yeah. And then Buffy sees the little girl. She's like, sorry, girl, couldn't save your home. Guess you and your old grandma will have to move or just deal with it. Yeah. (laughs) Sort of like, yeah, well, I don't always fulfill my promises. I said I'd help, but eh. Back at home, Andrew still feels bad, and Buffy's like, whatever. 
you screwed up with good intentions. You're part of the family. It's what we do. She leaves, and Andrew's like, I'm part of the family? Oh. Yeah, it's sweet. It is sweet. So this is an interesting issue for a variety of reasons. One, I like that Andrew's part of the fold, and I like Buffy saying, like, part of the team. We all lie for good reasons, or we all lie trying to do what's right. Um, I like that Buffy's like, I don't like guns, but she does take that gun. It's so interesting. It seems almost like something Buffy wouldn't do, but she was in a corner. Mm-hmm. And Buffy's, once again, happened to make decisions that it's tough because, you know, Buffy's this superhero, really, that always tries to do exactly what's right. And there just isn't a win-win scenario for her here. So pointing the gun at, like, Simone is very like, oh, interesting. That's something I wouldn't suspect Buffy to do. But she's also gone through a lot of shit lately. Right. But I also liked the fight scene. I liked when Buffy's all like just suddenly decides to turn into a fight and like kicks the person behind her and grabs a sword and starts fighting. I was just like, whoa, yeah, we're doing this. It was like very quick. And I don't know. I liked it. Simone is also like, you're older than me. Buffy's like, yeah, but I'm also way more experienced, which I feel like Buffy, like their power. How much different is someone that's five years older? Because their power is mystical. Their power isn't like connected to their actual muscles. Yeah, I always wonder that, too. Like, is a 50 year old slayer not going to be as good because their body is starting to go a little? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I guess that's what the comic has suggested, because Buffy said that to Frey as well. But Buffy is also not 50. She's like 27. Exactly. She's probably still in really good shape. I don't know their age matters yet. And she's just practiced for so long. I just feel like she's going to be fucking real good. Well, the next issue is called Safe 8.24. We've got a new slayer, Courtney, and a vampire's about to get her. But Faith shows up, stakes the vampire, saves the girl, Giles is there to hold and comfort her. The girl's like, oh my god, you're her. You're Buffy. (laughs) She's like, no, I'm not. This is another one of those issues where Giles goes from being drawn to look like Anthony Stewart head and being drawn to look like someone completely different. Like, panel to panel, it's totally different. On the cover, he looks like Michael Fassbender, way younger than Giles is supposed to look. And then on the first, like, actual page with him in it, he just looks like an old man with a big forehead. Nothing like Giles at all. He suddenly has jowls he never had. And then later, he's back to Anthony Stewart. (laughs) I will say, later in this chunk that we read, it almost doesn't matter, but there's a lot of people in some of the later issues. It, Mm -hmm. It was often hard to tell who was who. Yes, Like Buffy and Willow, you can usually tell because they have blonde and red hair. But like everyone else is brunette and you just like don't even know who's talking sometimes. If it's Faith, if it's Kennedy. But like I said, it it almost doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. So we got Giles, Faith, new girl Courtney. Another vampire shows up. This time the girls get him. Courtney like coughs on his dust. (laughs) That's new. (laughs) I didn't know that was a thing that could happen. She's like, hey, I don't really want to be a Slayer, so just go ahead and take me to the Slayer Sanctuary for Slayers who don't want to, please. Giles and Faith are like, what is this now? What? This is not a thing, girl. So at first, I thought Slayer Sanctuary meant the place that Simone is creating. It was almost like Magneto's like mutant island thing. I was like, oh, okay, that's what they're talking about. But this is a, a brand new thing we have not heard about yet. I wasn't confused by that. I thought this was a different thing. Mm-hmm. Well, we had just left an episode yeah. or an issue where they're like, this is a special place for a certain kind of Slayer. That felt like that was Slayers that want to do something, but not, not the Slayer. right thing. This feels like they just want to pretend they don't have powers and yeah. take naps. Take naps. So she takes them via train to a place called Hanselstadt in Germany, which seems to be run by an old watcher named Duncan Philworth. There's just a bunch of vampires chilling outside this place who know they shouldn't come in or all the slayers will get them. But 
slayers aren't going to like actively try to go get them. So after dinner, this super creepy old lady leads Faith and Courtney to this library to meet the other slayers. Giles and Faith are sort of hoping they'll inspire some of these girls to come back out into the fighting field. But there aren't any slayers in there. There are vampires. At least that's what Faith sees. She tries to fight them. Courtney's like, Faith, what the hell are you doing? There's nothing there. Back at the dinner table, Giles is trying to convince Duncan it's dumb to keep slayers in hiding. The vampires aren't just going to wait out there forever. And Duncan's like, a demon used to live here that fed upon the fears and regrets of children. Okay. Back at Faith's fight, she thinks she just got bit. And then Courtney notices a big tentacle monster. She runs away from it into the arms of her divorced parents. And she seems happy. It's a little confusing, actually. You'd think she would feel upset because it feeds on regret. But she seems to be, like, having positive memories of her family. Well, she talks about how she thought maybe them splitting up was her fault. Because she told her mom about something she saw. Dad cheating, probably. And her dad's like, no, no, you're the best. We love you. She's like, oh, it feels so good to have your arms around me again. But the only arms around her are the tentacle monsters. Yeah, but you understand what I'm saying? Faith saw regret. That's what it feeds off of. This girl is like having the opposite. It's like giving her pleasurable feelings. I guess it's probably feeding off the regret she has about this, but then like keeping her there by showing her. Okay, but why did it not do that to Faith? It showed Faith. It like showed her this girl got this thing got away and it did bad things and now it's fighting her. Hmm, yeah. That's made a mistake. So it seems like a mistake that this thing is like talking about the thing that gave her regret, but like making her not feel regretful of it. Maybe it just like sucks you in with your regret, but then like keeps you occupied, however. I don't know. A couple things to note here, though, is that we see a bunch of bones by the tentacles with various slayer weapons by them. Yeah. So the Faith memory, she's fighting this vampire that the new girl can't see because it's not real. This vampire she refers to as the third, Faith does. And I'm like, the third? What are we talking about? Am I missing something? And we get a flashback to Faith's maybe first or second kill, where she's running into some vampires in an alley, and she kills two of them, and then throws a stake and misses the heart of the third one. And because she misses the heart, he's able to get away. And she's regretted that this guy got away because she missed the heart. Mm -hmm. And so that's why he's the third, because there were three vampires. That's important later. Yes. Meanwhile, Duncan is telling Giles about how vampires are regret personified, having a hunger for life that's been damned and never going to be satisfied. I don't know that I buy any of that, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. It seems a little shoehorned in. Yeah. Also, these people are maybe all council members. Mm, I think they were just the people that lived in this town and Duncan was. And Duncan is a council member? Yeah, because there's a line about like him and Giles maybe being the only remaining watchers left or something like that. But this is how Duncan knows the vampires will never come here because of the regret that they all walk around with every day, which is something we all knew about vampires before this. This guy goes on to be like, yeah, like it used to feed off the children here, but then like uh, it ate all the kids. Yeah, all the regret got demon to death a while ago. And if we don't keep feeding this monster, all the vampires are going to come in. There's so much that's not clear or explained in this comic like why is there such a massive number of vampires there's there's just like hundreds outside the city for no reason like why aren't killing them as much anymore because they're cool now yeah but these vampires look like they were ready to kill people for real not just like suck a little blood true and there's so many of them it's just sort of like the government's not dealing with this like it's not like there's 
some hidden vampires. They're just like literally lined up outside the city, like in a zombie movie when the zombies are outside a fence. Yeah. That, it's just hundreds of vampires. Well, Giles pieces together that Duncan is seducing slayers to come here so it can feed on them. When you say seducing, it is sexual. No, it's not. <laughs> he thinks he's doing the right thing because he's sacrificing a few slayers who don't want to to save the lives of the people in this town. Giles is like, well, this is bad. And Duncan's like, is it? The Slayers rejected us. Think of what Buffy's done to you. Your girlfriend, Jenny Callender, died because Buffy ignored you and loved a vampire. Giles is like, yeah, I'm still going to go save the girls. Fuck your town. This, uh, it was written differently because that doesn't <laughs> sound like Giles' voice at all. <laughs> yeah, fuck your town, bro. <laughs> Duncan follows him with a crossbow. The monsters is trying to get all of them. Faith somehow like slapped Duncan into the tentacle monster. I had kind of a hard time following the action here. Yeah, it, it kind of was all over the place. Giles rescues the girls. Duncan's shouting after Giles, trying to get him to save him. He's saying sorry, which is, of course, an expression of regret. So it only makes the demon kill him harder. He's all like, no, I didn't mean it. I'm not sorry. And then he gets eaten. They make it out. There's fire somehow. This, what the fuck happened? First off, I do <laughs> want to say... Faith, like, kills it with a crossbow and says, like, that's your last meal, Octobitch, which was funny. Yeah. But then there's just fire, and I don't understand why. Like, it's yeah, not I, clear where this know. fire's coming from, why that. there's fire. There's just fire now. German listeners, does fire disappear in Germany? She, like, hits the thing with the crossbow, and then an explosion happens. I really don't understand why. Well, the vampires show up, because the demon's gone. Courtney's fine with them killing everyone in town, but Faith's like, no, no, these people totally suck, but we're not just going to let them die. However, if they want to live, they're going to have to fight. So they all grab a weapon. So this vampire army is showing up. The whole town is now set up. They all have weapons, including rifles and stuff. So it kind of was like, wouldn't you guys just get ready for this anyway? You knew it was coming. The vampires are going to attack. The new girl's all like, I'm not sure about this. I haven't really trained. I don't know what to do. And Faith is all like, there's only one lesson, kid. Aim for the heart. This part was cool because we got to see both of these women when they were new at being slayers miss a vampire's heart. Faith in her flashback and at the beginning of the episode, this girl. So it's kind of fun that this is bringing it all back to explain like how they're connected and like this is what you got to focus on. I liked that callback. However, like the logic of what's happening in this town doesn't really hold up. So I kind of it's kind of have to just get past it, I guess. Yeah. I just like Faith and Giles together as like mm -hmm. a duo. I like that. I like Faith's character. And it was funny. But this episode was sort of just like, what? what is happening? Yeah. How does that make sense? Well, the next one is called Living Doll, 8.25. We open on a little dolly being tortured. There's an old man doing something to a doll with a knife that she doesn't like. But he says he's trying to keep her safe. We'll see. Creepy as shit. Uh, yeah. Can we talk about the cover real quick, though? Um, let me pull it up. I don't remember. So there's two covers. I don't know how, if it's like two variants or, but the f one cover is just Buffy oh, yes. holding a little Dawn doll. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other cover is like this weird three-eyed fish tentacle monster just giving some tongue kisses out of its mouth vagina to, it looks like Willow, but maybe it's Dawn. Oh, it's Dawn. It's Dawn. It's, uh, it's, it's a like lot. It's like a very romance novel cover, but it's a big ass three-eyed tentacle monster. Yeah, with like a, Slit mouth. It's <laughs> very sexy art sometimes yeah. on these covers. Realistic, too. Yeah, it's a lot. So Buffy is talking about how Dawn is missing. 
also about how they all love Veronica Mars. So maybe it's a sign we're supposed to watch it. I guess Buffy so. loves it too. Yeah. Buffy is also just like casually trying on a robot Wolverine glove while this mm-hmm, is happening. Mm-hmm. She wants to be a better sister, but she doesn't have time right now because she's got vampires to fight. Same yeah. old, same old. But Xander tells her he's got a man on the missing Dawn case, which is Andrew, pretending to be a college student moving in with Dawn's old boyfriend who did this to her. It's like that Steve Buscemi scene. I, f- I think it was from Strangers with Candy where it's just like a much older dude pretending he's a high schooler. Mm. That's the vibes of this scene. Also, the guy who draws Andrew clearly loves Tom Link a lot because he makes him look pretty good, don't you think? Like Andrew? Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I feel like he makes he's drawn fairly attractively. Not that Tom Link's unattractive. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that the artist is like, yeah, yeah, let's give him the full deal. <laughs> his dig is huge. <laughs> he's just got a huge dig in his pants in every scene, every panel. Always erect. Well, Daniel Craig keeps coming deal. up. I get it. I get it. It is clear now that Dawn is the doll. Yes. She is on a shelf telling the other dolls that she's got to get out of here because she's not one of them. And they're all like, oh, yes, you are. You're not going anywhere. They're all kind of evil, too. Mm-hmm. Turns out the big vampire war that Buffy was gearing up for was like five vampires. So she's got time to look for Dawn now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They follow her horse tracks and notice that they disappear at some point. So they realize she must have moved on to phase three of this curse she's going through from the Thrice Wise, her ex-boyfriend who cursed her. We get a little more detail on how this happened exactly. So she was dating a Thrice Wise, but then she had sex with his roommate, who may or may not have also been a Thrice Wise. But it sounds like the first guy, her boyfriend, got understandably jealous that she yeah. slept with someone else. Yeah. And put a spell on her. Not that that justifies what he did, but Dawn did do a shitty thing by sleeping with his yeah. roommate instead. Again, it doesn't give you the right to do magic, though. We didn't really know what had happened. It was maybe like just an STD from sleeping with a thrice wise. Mm-hmm. But now we know that it, it was like a curse. Xander tells all this to Buffy, who did not realize Dawn was a sexual being now. Yeah. <laughs> Back at the toy shop? I don't know. <laughs> The old man comes in. He tells Dawn he knows she's special, that she has a soul unlike the others, and he's keeping her here so she doesn't break and, like, die, essentially, because she's delicate right now because she's a little dolly. Andrew is not so subtly trying to figure out if Dawn's boyfriend, Kenny, knows anything about magic as he sets up teleportation totems around the room so Willow can hop in. Which just look like Star Wars figurines, specifically little Yoda dolls. But then Kenny takes his true form, which is what we talked about on the cover, like a big brown sea monster with three eyes. Three bulging eyes, like torpedo-looking eyes. (laughs) Willow teleports in. He's all like, oh, crap, he got away. And they're like, what? He's like, no, that's what you say. And then he bum-rushes the door and is out of there. (laughs) Meanwhile, Buffy finds a weird-ass little troll creature thing and a mask outside. Yeah, he's like this insane-looking tree creature. He's got like a badger body with like a clown mask. <laughs> yeah. Almost like the Joker with like a longer nose. She's like, tell me who kidnapped my sister. But he's a sassy little guy who doesn't want to talk. So Buffy just chucks him into the bushes. <laughs> and he ends up going through the window of a cottage on the other side of the bushes. And then Xander gets shot in the neck by little purple tree people with tiny bows and poison arrows. Uh, when you say purple tree people, I think that's just to show it's night. They're not. I don't think they're actually purple. These are dolls that work for the man. 
The man being Twilight? No, the old man. Oh, They're yes. little dolls. Yeah, yeah. This is, of course, the cottage where Dawn is being kept. This is in the forest that's, like, right outside the Slayer grounds where, like, the tree people and stuff live. There's also this magical little Geppetto house where <laughs> this old man lives, which they had not found previously. Then Monster Kenny shows up demanding the old man put Dawn down. He never meant for things to go this far. Dawn says she's sorry, and then the spell is lifted. She turns back into normal, human, naked Dawn. We find out that that was how the curse was going to be broken, is that she said she was sorry. Yeah. Buffy still tries to hurt the old man for some reason, but the little dolls are like, no, no, he keeps us safe. Buffy's like, okay, sorry, bye. <laughs> what is what is going on here? I don't understand any of this. Like, I feel like you need to punish this old man because, first off, these little dolls are not truly sentient. He set that up earlier. They just do whatever he wants. They're not, like, conscious minds thinking for themselves. I mean, they seem happy, though. Right, but let's, they'll seem however he wants them to seem. And he was keeping Dawn safe. But against her will. To be clear, though, I think we're led to believe that he didn't want to cause her harm because he did fix her face. But he was aware she had a soul and wanted to leave, and he was like, nah, not an option. Yeah, this was confusing. None of this really mattered that much, other than we resolved Dawn being not human. But I feel like this dude should have been, at least been like, hey, you touch another human again, you get killed or something. Like, they just kind of let this guy off the hook for kidnapping Dawn forever. Like, literally forever, because she's like a doll. Sure. Well, Dawn goes on a little walk with Kenny in his monster form. Why is she attracted to him like that, exactly? I mean, you saw his tongue. And did she have sex with his roommate instead of him? I'm confused what they're talking about here. Because she sounds like she was, like, scared to have sex with him. Maybe because he's a monster. Maybe his roommate was a human. Yeah, maybe. But she kind of just says goodbye and leaves him. He also makes it clear that he wouldn't have let the curse go on forever. Yeah. There was, like, several other stages to it. But he was like, eventually I would have stopped it. Which is confusing because Willow seemed pretty confident it was three. But yeah. Maybe she had, like, a premonition and knew it wouldn't go beyond three. I don't know. Hmm. Dawn goes to talk to Buffy. She tells her she doesn't have to keep trying to keep her safe. And she admits maybe she dated a thrice-wise to get Buffy to save her. To, like, stand out among all these new girls Buffy's got in her life. They have, like, a touching moment where Buffy says she loves her and wishes she could keep her safe. And Dawn tells her she may have scratched the Veronica Mars DVD. And Buffy then says she's going to have to kill her. And that's that. Buffy and Dawn are fine now. Yeah. They're good for, what, two issues? We'll see. I feel like they have, like, a heart-to-heart and then they fight again, which is like, yeah. I guess, what siblings do, right? Then we take a little break for a, uh, a one-off or two. We read an issue called Tales of the Vampires, The Thrill. I kind of like when they do the one-offs. It's sort of like a different font style. Like the, yeah. the text is different. So you can tell it's like not the main character. They do that when like a villain is talking sometimes too. So this one is about how people think vampires are awesome and slayers suck now. From the perspective of a young man named Jacob who lives in Nashua, New Hampshire. I think we've been there. I think we need to set up some stuff. So this issue is gonna let us know that vampires now, nationwide at least, have decided to start living publicly. At least some vampires are now like out as vampires, but they're only draining people a little bit. They're not totally draining them because if they kill anybody, then they'll get labeled as evil. And so they can live this way. But like, I don't believe that is a thing that would make sense in the Buffy universe. Vampires are just, they're straight up evil. They are evil. They might restrain themselves from killing someone if they have motivation to do so. Like Spike loved Buffy. Spike had a chip that gave him physical pain. 
Harmony was afraid that Angel would kill her if she continued to kill people. So there are ways you can sort of, you know, put a leash on a vampire. But just being like, oh, for the good of all vampires, please don't kill people because then people will turn on us. I just don't believe that that they would do that. Vampires have been getting away with secretly killing people throughout all of history. Why would they suddenly stop? Maybe they would semi-drain some people publicly. But I don't believe they wouldn't then at night secretly kill people for real. Because they it's not just that they want blood. They enjoy killing people. So I just, I don't buy that every vampire is being a goody two-shoes. To be fair, we learned that not every vampire is. Sure. But I just don't, I don't believe that most vampires would play this game. Sure. Those are my objections. Sorry, everybody, if you love this issue. Well, this guy Jacob, he's got like an angsty teen vibe. And he's having a bad day. He meets a cool new girl named May. Also, we meet his female friend, Alex. She comes up and doesn't seem to love that he's talking to May. Jacob has some plans. He's on his way to let his shady vampire friend, Sebastian, nibble on him a bit. We also find out that Alex doesn't love that he hangs out with vampires. His vampire friend is full, but invites Jacob to hop in his car and come meet his friend. This doesn't sound sus at all. It's, it's weird because we don't actually see any of this. She's just like, no. uh, I don't want to eat you right now, but uh, let me introduce you to my friend. Immediately, like, oh, you're going to die right now. The next thing we see is Jacob coming home to his worried mom. He kind of blows her off and goes to bed. She sighs. Once in his room, he gets, like, surprise fucked by his friend Alex, who seems to be a vampire and just wants to feel something. What the fuck is happening? He is, like, clinically depressed, I think. I think he's a very depressed person. And then at school the next day, we realize that was all a dream. But he does ask Alex out on a date. So things are looking up for him. Later that night, Sebastian and some other bully-looking types approach Jacob while he's out smoking in the snow. They're vampires and they want to feed on him, whether he likes it or not. Last night, he seemed to want it. Tonight, he doesn't because he's got a date. I don't know. Well, it seems like they're going to like not ju- like maybe kill him. Yeah, and they do beat the shit out of him. Cut to another dream of him fucking May, except this one isn't a dream. They're having sex for real. Which I think began when he was unconscious. Well, vampires are evil. Because she found him unconscious, brought him home with her, and has been having sex with him for like a few days, she says. So that's a little messed up, May. Mm -hmm. But it also seems like she turned him into a vampire. Yeah. So he sort of narrates that he loves his new lifestyle. Living as a vampire can actually be pretty cool. Because people kind of think you're awesome, as long as you're just feeding and not actually killing people. And for angsty little teens like him, he now actually gets to be cool and feel something. But he does have to watch out for sunlight and stuff. So he's just chilling, being a cool new vampire. His friend Alex is all like, hey, Jacob, where have you like been the last few days? She lectures him for hanging around with vampires so much. He still doesn't tell her he is one now. She just kind of storms off. He bumps into Sebastian. He's like, sorry, I tried to kill you. Jacob's like, it's no biggie. I'm cool now. He gives him a ride home where Jacob's mom hasn't gotten any less worried after her son has been missing for days. She said she almost called the cops. They don't ever say how many days it's been, but I feel like after two days of your kid not coming home, you should probably call the cops. Yeah. Like, how long was she going to wait? He goes to that arcade for a long period of time. <laughs> he tells her that he's a vampire now, and she takes the news pretty well. <laughs> like, she yeah. cries, but says that they can move his room to the basement. Well, because, I mean, they've been normalized on TV now, right? Yeah. In his new basement room, he takes some time to reflect, and he's back to his old angst. He realizes he's permanently a teen who lives in his mom's basement, and he debates killing his mom and letting May move in. 
I liked that because he should be just like an evil person now that mm-hmm. wants to do evil. And I, like I've said, I feel like the comics are starting to like blur the lines about how this should actually go. That line was good because it's like, oh, he's at least a sociopath. He's fine killing his mother. But I feel like he should like want to kill people. Yeah. It's kind of cute, though, how like sweet and understanding his mom's being considering. Yeah. He goes to the arcade. Alex is like, hey, what's going on? Why haven't you been coming to school? Then May shows up. She's all like, hey, where you been, babe? I missed you. Alex figures out that May is a vampire and fucking kills her. Turns out she's a secret slayer. Mm-hmm. Jacob's like, hey, not cool. Vampires aren't so bad. We aren't a threat. And Alex seems to be a very reluctant slayer. Yep. But she won't say that she won't kill Jacob. So he turns her into a vampire real quick. The end. I'm sure that'll be fine. Just a quick little story about Jacob. I don't know if we'll ever see him again. So we get we have a slaypire. Yeah. We so far haven't encountered her again, but I wonder if we will. Then we had another quick one. Yes, called Harmony Comes to the Nation, which is just a two-page issue about Harmony doing an interview with Stephen Colbert. I do think they get Stephen Colbert's voice pretty good for this. Yeah. This is like old Stephen Colbert. Yes, this is like Stephen Colbert when he had a show on Comedy Central and he was playing this like super conservative talk show host she's here to talk about how the world should get rid of magic because as a vampire she thinks magical powers are confusing and wrong <laughs> she's so dumb yeah so that's where we're going with this is like this idea of let's get rid of magic i don't know that that makes sense with vampires because vampires are magic so i don't really get it she shows him her vamp face and talks about how she might be replacing barbara walters on the view because she's old and her death would not be unexpected <laughs> she's gonna kill her just sad because she died somewhat recently yeah. Yeah, that's that's it. Just a short little funny thing. Which is fun, too, because later we see that on television somewhere in another issue. Oh, yeah. They, like, reference it. I do enjoy... You can say what you want about this stuff they're introducing about vampires and the Slayer dynamic not really making sense, but it is interesting, like, world building. Yes. That this is Agreed. just... We're seeing this, like, silly harmony story, but it is, like, affecting the world. Mm-hmm. That the Slayers live in. But yeah, yeah, I don't love a lot of the specifics of this chunk. Well, it's just some of the specifics to me don't really logically make sense, which has always been an issue I, I can't let go in whether it be Gilmore Girls or Buffy. Like Buffy tends to be internally logistical. Like, okay, if magic exists, then this would make sense. But this is like, does this make sense? But whatever, let's move on. Yeah, obviously it's all like fantasy and made up and you can kind of do what you want. But Buffy is pretty good at like following its own rule in general. Yeah. So when something doesn't, it bothers us. We're sorry. Then we read a couple other one-offs called Tales of the Vampires. This is Carpe Noctum Part 1. This is told from the perspective of a vampire named Sin, probably short for Cynthia. It's like C-Y-N. She really hates what Harmony has done to vampire culture. She's annoyed that vampires can't just kill anymore. She can't bring her food home with her anymore. And the portions are tiny. (laughs) She keeps calling it like fast food. You just get a little nibble off of someone. She's clicking through the TV. All the shows are about vampires somehow. She sees Harmony's interview. One is just a news anchor saying, once again, Buffy Summers is today's worst person in the world. (laughs) She smashes the TV with the remote. Her sire sister comes downstairs and drags her out to a club with her. They get past the line by flashing their fangs to the doorman. Because they're fashionable and cool. Yeah, but Sin doesn't want to be at the club. She mopes at the bar, thinking about how she misses the hunt. She misses the terror, because terror made the blood taste better. 
a guy comes up to her, realizes she's a vampire, and asks if they can, you know, do it. <laughs> I have sex. You know. Just do the biting thing. Do the biting thing, yeah. Do it. So she takes him out back, but quickly gets annoyed with how much of a cute, fun thing he's making this. And she just kills him. Whoopsie. Yeah. Oops. To be so this is this is sort of addressing what I brought up as my problem. But like I feel like her things were like, oh, but I like more blood. But it's like, but you also like the carnage. Like you want to do evil. That's the whole point of vampires. Mm-hmm. So part two of this, Carpe Noctum 2. It's the next night. Sin has convinced Ash to go to the club again. Ash is her sire sister. I don't know if I said that. And they're going to bring a guy home so that Ash can have sex with him and Sin can watch, I guess. Ash has a Twilight poster in her room, by the way. Yes. I thought that was interesting. So Ash bites this dude, which he loves. She's like, hey, Sin, your turn. But she, of course, takes a slightly bigger bite and kills the dude because she's, you know, she's thirsty now. She yeah. had a taste. Ash is like, what the hell? We don't do that anymore. And Sin's like, no, that's stupid. We're monsters. Brian keeps saying it. Killing <laughs> is what we're meant to do. And Ash is like, yes, yeah, Sin, you're right. And she stakes her. Who's going to narrate now? <laughs> Again, I don't know if this makes sense. She'd probably be like, yeah, I do want to kill people too, man. Like, staking her doesn't solve her problem. Kick her out. Yeah. No one takes over the narration. We just see Ash throw the body in the river. She uses a dust buster to clean up Sin. And then expresses some regret about killing her before making her buy a new TV. Oh, these two. That's the end of that. Yeah. We then read another short one called Always Darkest, which is just a real quick bad dream that Buffy is having. I don't know how bad the dream is. (laughs) Well, she doesn't seem settled. Caleb is back. Angel and Spike are there making out with each other Mm -hmm. off screen. (laughs) While she's fighting Caleb. Buffy's like, how can this get any worse? And then suddenly Caleb is officiating her wedding to Warren? Skinless Warren. That's pretty bad. Caleb's like, do you take this skinless Warren to be your husband and let him touch you with his slimy bits? (laughs) And Bobby's like, only totally. (laughs) And then Warren asks if she can see his tear ducts filling up. (laughs) (laughs) There are some vampy cats there saying they still blame her for their death. Makes sense. Makes sense. Spike and Angel are just like out of frame making out this whole time, but we see their sounds, which are mm-hmm. slurt, mm-hmm. glide, pant, tickle. <laughs> On the previous page, there was spring and rubba rubba. <laughs> what are they doing? Yeah, I, the spring was maybe their hair. I don't know. Then Xander comes in. On a very tired Buffy eating breakfast, asking if she's been sleeping any better. So we know it was all a dream. Okay. This ends with a, like, five-part saga, and it is epic. Yeah. I don't know if it's epically good, but it, it's, uh, it's yeah, big. I don't know about that, but there's it's a lot. There's a lot. It is called Retreat. 8.26 is part one. This one opens with a bird talking to the fish it's carrying with its feet, you know. Right, 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 right. Surprise! It's Willow carrying Buffy. This is how they've got to sneakily get around now, because everyone hates slayers and witches. They kind of crash land and then start taking their regular forms. So Buffy is like briefly a fish head with legs. It's mm-hmm. pretty funny. Willow has a ton of magic working to make sure they all stay hidden at their location in Rome. But how can they keep this lifestyle up? Meanwhile, Giles and Faith are also hiding out in a bunker in Berlin, eating some dumplings, when a bunch of demons bust through their 10-inch steel door 
I want to say this was pretty funny because they're in Germany in like an underground bunker and Faith is like, you know, the optics of this are bad. Like I don't yeah. feel super comfortable about yeah. <laughs> hiding in a bunker in Germany. They manage to retreat to safety and start taking a train to Buffy. She says, it seems like running away is all we do anymore. I hate this usage of anymore so much. I don't know that it's correct. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain why it feels incorrect, but people use it in this way and it bothers me. He would say, running away is all we do now. Right. I mean, people do use it this way, though. You would say, like, I don't have a home anymore. I, I don't know how to put into words why those are different, but whatever. Andrew's group is also in some underground tunnels when they come across so many skulls. There's, like, a huge piece of art made out of them. It's so funny. He says, like, you know, when you start using your bones and your decorations, you've got too many bones. <laughs> They hear a scraping sound. Andrew goes to investigate and comes across Warren. He's like, hey, Andrew, I'm dying. Amy says she doesn't need me anymore, and she's taking away the spell that's keeping me alive without skin. I just wanted to find you and patch things up before I die. Now, Andrew has a history with Warren appearing to him and lying to him, so he's understandably unsure. He tries to tell Andrew that he was misled, that he really thought if Andrew killed Jonathan, the three of them would live as gods. And then we see a little flashback of them singing as cherubs in the meadow, like in the show. Andrew doesn't trust this. This doesn't make sense to him. Warren's lines here about, like, having appeared to Andrew earlier are already confusing a murky area about how the first was able to take over Warren's form. And we will address this at the end because there's more information about this, but it's all a bit confusing and it's not cleared up really, even in the end. Warren tells Andrew that he has a proposal. But then some goat men show up. There's always goat men. Dude, goat men are always crashing the party. Warren says, Amy, you didn't let me finish tricking him. There's a full-out goat battle with the Slayers. They start using some of the bones to fight. Andrew hits one with a bone, saying, I bet you won't find this too humorous. And the goat says, that's a femur. <laughs> <laughs> some bone puns. Eventually, they decide to retreat. Later that night, Willow has a middle-of-the-night alert. They've been found, so a bunch of them go knock on Buffy's door. Willow's like, Buffy, are you alone? Can we come in? And Xander adds, it's always good to ask. Because <laughs> in a previous issue, like 17 people walked in on Buffy having sex. Yeah, this is also a bit of a foreshadowing, but absolutely this is referencing that. That American Pie-like scene. <laughs> what is the foreshadow? Buffy walks in on Xander. Oh, right. We'll get to that. Willow knows a bunch of people are on their way. Giles, Faith, Andrew's group, a bunch of demons. So Willow and her witches manage to sneak the good folks in under their magical barricade. Andrew is very excited to see Dawn back to normal size. And Buffy is very happy to see Giles. They have a very tearful hug hello. And they're sort of just like, yeah, forget all the bad stuff. We're besties again. What? It's so, so here's what I'll say. I like that they had this moment. I even like that they've set up that her and Giles have some sort of rift that isn't clear what the rift is about. There was already a rift before Buffy found out that Giles was like teaming up with Faith to do stuff. So yeah, it's and not is that clear from the show, which right. they kind of seem to fix in the show a little bit. Right. It's never addressed what the rift originated from. So it's frustrating that we don't even find out in this issue what it is. But I do kind of like that even in this moment where they're not okay with each other, like, they love each other. Like, he's her daughter, she's her dad she never had. And so, like, they are happy to see each other that they're alive. So I like that. Yeah, I was kind of excited to have an issue explaining the rift, like a flashback. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whatever. 
Buffy snaps back into leader mode because Twilight's evil goons are coming. The goons knock out their cameras, so they've got to go up to the roof to be able to see anything. Willow says she's got three shields in place. Also that there's a squad of Wicca Slayers up there running magical defenses. So there are Wicca Slayers? That makes sense. That's not insane. But the Twilight Army has tanks and catapults. Willow says drop the bridge spell. Apparently the bridge was fake, so that falls and the tank goes sploosh. However, they still have catapults and they are loading them with grenades and bombs. It's epic. I told you. It's a big battle. Yeah. The witch's brains are frying, trying to keep these shields up against the bombs, and it's not really working. Yeah, like net runners frying out. They do manage to take a demon prisoner, and Willow uses magic to, like, torture this guy into talking, I think? She says a certain skinless demon just told her they're honing in on all of her magics. So Yeah, let's, let's dive into that really quickly. So they catch a demon. Mm-hmm. One of the ones attacking. Willow's all like, hold on one second, guys. Without like letting anyone talk to her about what's happening, she like teleports him away and like we're led to believe she tortures him or does something unsavory to get him to say Warren is doing this. Well, he doesn't know that it's Warren, it's just some skinless dude, which it's gonna be Warren. Yeah. And when Willow comes back, there's sort of a vibe, especially from Giles, like, hey, we're just gonna let her do dark magic. I feel like she did it because it was like there's literal tanks outside the walls. Like we need to figure this out right now because people are going to die. Yeah. But like giving in to any kind of dark urge like that is not great for Willow. Right. Especially since Buffy knows she goes down that road again. Yeah. So the shields are all down now. Buffy says head to the submarine. And this is where Andrew was like, we have a submarine? (laughs) I'm not sure how they get there quickly. Like they're in the middle of fighting. How do they just all go to the submarine? A tunnel or something? I don't know. It doesn't really make sense. Well, once aboard, Giles expresses to Buffy that he's concerned about whatever tactics Willow used to get that information and that Buffy's going to lose her. Buffy's like, yeah, I literally am. I went to the future and saw she goes dark again and maybe what I'm letting her do now is the cause. Giles is like, okay, I don't really have time to question all of that, but I believe you. Buffy starts to wonder if they are the bad guys. And then Faith comes in saying everyone's wondering if they actually know where they're going. Giles says no at the same time that Buffy says yes. They are going to visit Oz. The person, not the place. (laughs) It wouldn't be shocking if they suddenly were in Oz in this comic series, honestly. No. Just to be clear, Giles isn't lying. Buffy just hasn't told Giles that she thinks she knows how to solve this. She's like, I know a guy who has been dealing with suppressing and hiding his magic for a long time, and, which is a big leap to assume that Oz knows how to hide all of their magics right. when he's got one very specific magic that yes. he's been hiding. But they somehow just pull their submarine up into the front lawn of Oz's Tibetan mountain home. Well, I mean, it gets teleported. Sure. They, they say, like, Let's, we got to do one last big magic spell, and that spell is to teleport the submarine onto the land outside of Oz's house. Maybe that's how they got to the submarine, too, I guess. Yeah, it's possible. Okay, retreat part two. Amy is using a little magic bowl to inform Twilight that Buffy and her friends drowned. Twilight's like, yeah, I don't think so, and smashes her bowl. <laughs> They're in, like, a little control room. Riley is there. They're searching for Buffy, and they think they have a lead. They've discovered a spike in magic usage in Central Asia. Riley's like, eh, that that could be anything. It's probably not Buffy. So it definitely seems like he's trying to protect Buffy. Not confirmed, but he's kind of making up excuses why this wouldn't be her. It definitely seems that way to us that he's like, nah, it's nothing. Let's check something else out. Like, he's trying to protect Buffy for sure. That's how I felt. Yeah, but Twilight's like, eh, I think we're 
you check it out, Riley. Amy does a locator spell using some little bones that Riley's nerdy little assistant doesn't like. Well, because the the assistant, so there's humans that have joined with Twilight because their mm-hmm. whole goal is to eliminate magic somehow. And he doesn't like that they're using magic to f- accomplish their goal of getting rid of magic. Sure. But Amy thinks she's figured out where they are. But like, I, does this make sense? Like getting rid of magic, won't Warren just die immediately? Then won't Amy then be powerless? I feel, and she's addicted to magic too. I just feel like neither of them would be on board with let's get rid of magic. They might yeah. be on board with let's kill the Slayers. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Meanwhile, Buffy and friends are settling in nicely at Oz's place. Oz's new girlfriend? Wife? Not sure. Partner. <laughs> Her name is Bayarma. She is giving them all tea, which they later find out is made with yak butter, and they aren't fans. <laughs> she and Oz have a baby named Keldon. The baby keeps trying to talk to Giles. It just says ga. <laughs> he kind of ignores it, but one time later he's like, yes, hello, baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just so cute. There's like three different panels where it's just the, the baby's like really into Giles. Hello, baby. It's interesting because when we see the baby... Oz is like, yeah, we had a kid. And Willow, just to nobody, I guess, is like, I'm okay with that. Like, are you Are you saying you're okay or you're not okay? Also, like, it's weird to say you're okay with your ex having a baby. I think she's kind of saying it to no one. She's yeah. saying it aloud, but, like, no one's listening is how I read it. But also, like, I it was hard to read, like, did she mean it? I feel like she didn't. Yeah, I think she's trying to convince herself she is, but she might yeah. not be. The whole Willow's feelings about the baby are weird. We'll get into that. As you said, they are there to see if Oz can help them suppress their magic, since he's learned how to do that with his werewolfness. And then we see what happened to Oz a few years earlier. He showed up at the home of a bunch of monks. They gave him herbs and charms and chants. We knew all this because he came back and told Willow about it. But as we learned in that episode, he didn't quite have it all under control yet. So he came back for more herbs, but they didn't work anymore. Bayarma tells them how she told Oz about her religion which is all about spiritual life being in ordinary things like rocks and trees and water. And it turns out the secret to not turning into a werewolf is to let the energy pass through you and into the things of the earth. Don't be a lake, be a river, is their like mantra. It's all weird, but like Buffy's magic lore always is. But it's like, yeah, you like let it flow into the ground. Okay, sure, whatever. As you said, Willow seems to be having some feelings. It might be some jealous feelings about Oz being happy with another woman. They take a tour of the land, and they tell the story of an English werewolf named Monroe, who came and got cured like Oz, so he left and spread the word, and then brought back a bunch of new followers. But eventually he got kind of Veruca-y, thinking the wolf part of them is the best part, and now he and his group are Oz's enemies. This, again, is sort of nonsense. Specifically one thing. So Monroe and his other werewolf pals decide to, like, attack Oz, which I don't understand. Like, why not just let them be? Why attack them? But they come to attack them, and Oz is like, this is when we're at our weakest, and we started carrying knives after this, which is like, knives? A knife is not the weapon I want when I'm fighting a werewolf. I'll tell you that right now. They have knives on their hands, essentially. You're not going to win a werewolf fight with a knife. And then later in the episode, a rando werewolf, which we assume is part of Monroe's group, like attacks them and Oz's wife cuts it with a knife and it's all like, oh, I'm out of here. Like, what are these super knives? Do we <laughs> are these like make a dragon stone? Like, what are these knives that are like kryptonite to these werewolves? Because I feel like, like I said, it's pretty silly that you're fighting a werewolf with a knife. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Monroe and his group attacked Oz real bad one time and killed a bunch of their monks. I thought Oz's wife killed Monroe, but he no, shows a, up later. So I think it was yeah. just one of his buddies. Yeah. Oz and Willow have a moment alone where we realize that Willow is jealous, but not because of him being with another woman. It's just that he like has a good, happy life and she doesn't because she feels like she's got all this magic work. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of weight on her shoulders. Well, she kind of sets up like I a long time ago realized or at least believed that I could never like leave this life and like just settle down. And I've like resigned myself to know that I have to live this life of fighting evil forever. And now that she sees that Oz did just step away from everything, that she's jealous, maybe angry. Right. Oz says he can try to help the Slayers learn how to hide their magic, but he isn't sure if it'll work because it's not exactly the same thing. Also, like if they start it but don't complete it, it could really fuck things up, especially since if this doesn't work, he just made his home a big target. Yeah. Which he did. He says this as they casually get attacked by a werewolf. But luckily they had a knife, so, you know, they clearly won. (laughs) Twilight and his crew show up in the wrong place. Amy's spell led them to Mongolia instead of Tibet. There's a whole bunch of China in between those two places, Amy. Oz and his wife get to work on training the Slayers. They're going to start with physical exertion to lower their reliance on their magical super strength, I guess. So they have them all burying the submarine. Meanwhile, Twilight tells his people to kill Riley's nerdy little assistant who discovered the spike in magic. It was his fault they went to the wrong place, I guess, instead of Amy's. They're going to keep watching and waiting for Buffy to make a mistake so they can find her for real. He says that this battle doesn't end with Buffy laying down her sword. It ends with her turning the sword against herself. What's going to happen? I don't know. Part three. Andrew goes to visit Giles at his room in the middle of the night. He thinks they have a spy because of Warren appearing to him in the tunnels in Rome. Giles is like, yeah, I don't like you or care. Go to bed, please. (laughs) Andrew's like, fine, I'm going to go back to my room and start making another little documentary. And Smoking Jacket Andrew is back. This issue is a storyteller reboot. Yeah. He shows us how the Slayers are doing all kinds of manual labor now. They're growing their own food, weaving blankets, milking the yaks dismantling the submarine, and they're learning how to fight without using their strength, which seems very hard. Yeah. But Andrew has noticed that a lot of the girls don't seem happy here, so he's trying to figure out who could be the potential spy among them. Yeah, I mean, doesn't this, like, seem like it would suck to be one of these slayers that's like, you've been called to this, like, great cause, and you've got this, like, physical strength that makes you feel powerful, and then it's suddenly like, hey, we have to give all of that up and live, like, really weak people and be quiet because everyone's trying to kill us. Yeah, this feels stupid, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. We'll talk about it more later. Andrew somewhat suspects that Faith might be the spy, so he goes to film her. She and Buffy are moving a boulder together and kind of bonding, so Andrew no longer suspects her. He films Xander and Dawn talking about how they can find a life here. It almost seems like Dawn is trying to tell Xander that she wants him. Well, she says like something about like following their true desires or him following his true desires yeah but i i do feel like here it's like her suggesting it and that maybe he's not picking up on that yet i don't know andrew says that next time he catches up with xander he's taking the time to just sit with his friend buffy and yak of course he means the actual yak Mm -hmm. not to talk they're just he's sitting with buffy and a yak right that was pretty funny Mm -hmm. i kind of figured it was going that way though since they've talked about yaks a bunch Andrew is asking Buffy if she told Willow the big secret yet. 
you know, that she turns evil and Buffy kills her in the future. They don't say that part out loud. So Andrew's like, ooh, I wonder what the big secret is. Xander says he overheard the secret when Buffy was telling Giles in the submarine. Submarines have shitty walls, apparently. Like, what? She was, like, in a room alone with him. Yeah, that's weird. Buffy has a splinter that hurts a lot. She realizes she can feel more pain now, I guess. So then we have this almost romantic scene where she's got the splinter and Xander's all like, oh, I can help you out with it. He's, like, touching her hand a little intimately, I feel like. Hmm. Then they're, like, kind of laughing together on the ground and they're, like, very close to each other and they're talking about people they love and she's like there's not a lot of people that i love oh yeah it's just like very intimate between her and xander and either this is just a misdirect from the writers because they've already done that with her and xander or maybe buffy's having some thoughts that like maybe she could be close to xander without saying any of that we are definitely getting this intimate scene between the two of them which could just be friends but this goes to an interesting place yeah well, they're kind of talking about if Buffy telling Willow about what happens in the future is good or bad. Like, is her knowing what causes it is not knowing what causes it? But Buffy decides she's going to tell her. Andrew goes back to Giles, who knew about this? Giles is very glasses off, rubbing forehead about all of this. Yeah. But he does think that Andrew has a point. Maybe Willow is becoming evil and he suggests Andrew should follow her. Because you know, Team Giles is always Willow's a rank arrogant amateur. <laughs> then we're treated to some of Andrew's doodles, like in Storyteller. He reminds us of his past with Dark Willow, how she tried to kill him and Jonathan. Willow is hanging out with Oz. The Slayers seem to be losing their magic, but she just can't seem to shake hers. But going back to her addiction issues in the TV show, she doesn't really value herself very high without her magic. She thinks it's what makes her special, so she's having a hard time letting it go. And like we talked about, she sort of hates Oz for having a kid and getting to be normal because she feels like she can't do that. So Oz lets her babysit for a while, thinking maybe that'll fix things. Buffy goes to talk to Willow. Andrew follows, thinking this might be the big moment where Buffy tells her. And the baby is really working his magic and encouraging Willow to think <laughs> she could have a real life someday. That baby needs to put that magic into the ground, man. <laughs> and then Buffy interrupts with, I killed you in the future. It was like... <laughs> No, you didn't. That was just a possible me. But I'm different now. I've been holding this baby for five minutes. And <laughs> that version of me is not possible anymore. Not after touching a baby. So they're all good in the hood, these two. Willow's not worried about it. Yeah, Willow really plays it down. She's like, that's no big deal. I know this is supposed to be like a real touching, hard moment for you. But like, it's no big deal. I don't care. So Buffy goes to tell Xander that she and Willow talk. Andrew follows with the camera. And they walk in on... Xander and Dawn making out hard. Always best to knock. All on tape. <laughs> Andrew confesses to Willow that he thought she might have been working for Twilight. Like, he does this on stage in the middle of a group of all of them. I don't know what's going on. And meanwhile, one of the Slayers is petting a cat, which vaporizes. This cat has been around a bunch. Yeah, like, it's in like shots. pet. It was clear to me this was the spy because this cat was just always around and they never addressed the cat. They addressed a dog, but not the cat. Yeah. They assume a cat vaporizing could only have been Amy's doing. That was funny, right? They're like, that's not good. <laughs> it's just weird that they jumped to this being Amy. Like literally anything could have caused this, but they suspect Twilight has found them. End of part three. Part four. They're all preparing for a non-magic battle. Because all their magic has been redirected into the earth. 
it's pretty sudden. They went from like, <laughs> this might take a while, to like, we literally have no magic and it's not coming back and Willow is magicless. Yeah, I don't think I like this. Like, they found them anyway. Why did they even give up their magic? It seems so extreme to give up their powers. Yeah, it just seems like, one, you have a submarine, so literally you can just constantly be on the move. I guess it would hurt the witch's brains, maybe? I don't know. Willow is having a little tantrum. She seemed all better in the last issue, but now she's saying she doesn't think she could have a family because she knows she needs to get killed in the future. I thought she said that wasn't the future. Yeah, I don't know. I'm confused. She's all over the place. She needs to hold that baby a little bit more. Uh, Yeah, maybe the baby is magic and it just fixes you while you're holding it. Xander and Dawn are just the power couple now. They are teaching the Slayers how to use military-grade weapons that they got from where? Well, I mean, they stole all this shit earlier. They have a sub. Yeah, I guess it was So I'm fine with this. I think it was from the sub, actually, is where they got this stuff. Well, they are teaching the psychic witches how to, like, use sonar or air traffic control technology since they don't have powers. Their justification for this is that they've lived without abilities for a long time, so they know how to use normal, non-magical stuff. Xander and Dawn, yes. Yeah. Xander does have, like, his military training, which keeps fading and coming back whenever they need it. But he knows how to use this stuff. (laughs) I wish it didn't fade. There's a funny joke, too, though, where Xander's like, yeah, we're non-magic, and Dawn, like, under her breath is like, I was a key. (laughs) Used to be a key. (laughs) Buffy doesn't like this. She still doesn't want to use guns. So she and Giles go to talk to Andrew. She wants him to help give the illusion that they still have magic. He does so by, like... Using colored steam and, like, metal sparks and the smell of burning yak hair. Buffy is also very distracted by the fact that Xander and Don are hooking up. They detect a big plane. They shoot it down. Then some tanks show up. But so does Monroe. He wants to help because Oz is now technically fighting on the side of people who want to keep their magic. Whatever. Yeah, I know. What? (laughs) What? Also, how are they wolves during the day? Can they just turn it on whenever? Did Oz establish that? That you could just switch it on and off once you well, have control of it? I think that, like, when Oz got upset, the wolf came out, like, after he had done some of his, like, magic time. Sure. So I think that, like, if you get attuned with your magic, you can bring it out when you want. Which, honestly, is like a superpower. Well, I guess it's nice that they're here. <laughs> it's just such a funny thing to, like, say to these werewolves. Well, I guess it's nice that you're here. They fucking need them, even though they do not help. Yeah. So, there's a big war with weapons and wolves and fire. I don't know where the fire comes from, but, you know, it's gotta be fire. It's gotta be fire. It's not going well for Team Slayer. Buffy tells Xander she needs his big secret weapon, which he, of course, makes a joke about, because it's right there. The offer of making a dick joke, I mean. Right. If You have to. Joss Whedon was like, make sure we put that in. <laughs> Andrew had alluded to Xander's big secret weapon earlier. Not in a sexual way, but, like, we knew that Xander was preparing something. Yeah. And his big secret weapon is a torpedo. On a sled. Uh, It's a land torpedo, which they're like, do those work on land? (laughs) I thought that was pretty funny. Not this whole bit, but they're like, does it work on land? Does it work on land? They send it down a hill on a sled and it it hits and explodes and like, it does work on land. (laughs) Yeah, they do. It behooms the tanks. That's the sound it makes. (laughs) The onomatopoeia. What's (laughs) confusing to me about all this, though? Is that, like, I guess Twilight's trying to keep Buffy alive, but, like, they could just, like, bomb them, and, like, that would just kill all of the girls. Oh, yeah, he does want Buffy to surrender. So, like, I guess Twilight's line is why they're not just, like, yeah, carpet bomb them, they're all dead at the end. This is one of those times where I wasn't sure who was asking. Like, if someone says, do torpedoes work on land, I think it was Dawn, but I don't know. But, again, it doesn't really matter. Right. So, they celebrate a little bit, but it's not a total victory. 
Buffy's like, yeah, these last couple of issues were stupid. We definitely need our magic. <laughs> so she goes to talk to Oz and his wife about getting it back, even though they just got rid of it. His wife has been shot. It looks bad. And Buffy's like, um, excuse me, I know you're maybe dying, but can we, like, talk about how to get our magic back from the Earth, please? We find out their magic maybe wasn't going back into the Earth, but instead to some wrathful Earth goddesses. Bayarma is unconscious now, and Willow finds her prayer scroll but can't read it, so they try to, like, shake her unconscious body awake. Oz is like, hey, maybe chill with the shaking of my dying wife. But Bayarma manages to squeak out that they don't need her. They can just use their anger to call the wrath goddesses. And then a big crack forms in the earth right in the middle of the battle. And three big old colorful goddesses come out. They also have a bunch of decorative skulls. Yeah. They're like each a different color, right? Like yeah. one's like blue and one's pink. So, I mean, this we'll talk at the end. <laughs> there's a lot, guys. There's a lot. So now there's this battle with normal humans, werewolves, the military... And some magic people working for Twilight. Mm -hmm. And big goddess ladies. Yeah. The big goddess ladies, though, they start entering the fight. Dawn is once again helpful, and it's pretty funny because she's all like, hey, I was a big giant one time, and I remember that it was hard to see where people were when you're stepping around. So be careful and make sure that they don't step on you because they can't see you. You have to watch out for them. We are on part five now. We've, We've dived in. To the last issue we're covering. Yeah, the goddesses are just, you know, squashing tanks. Warren's like, it didn't have to come to this. You should have just let me keep working on Andrew. And Amy's like, your plan didn't make any sense. The first was tempting him before, not you. So yeah, we're still not really addressing how it even makes sense that Warren could have appeared as the first. They just need like one little line. Like he is technically dead and Amy's spell is keeping him alive. Or, or he, he died and he Amy brought die. him back. Yes, yeah. that's all. We just need to know that he did, in fact, die to justify why Warren could appear in season seven as the first. It seemed like they were trying to justify it when Mm -hmm. he was like, I appeared to you. And it was like, okay, you were working for the first. You're going to explain that now. But instead, they're like, let's make it even more confusing. Yeah. Twilight's army is getting destroyed. But I think he's thinking the goddesses will eventually kill Buffy's people too. And he's kind of right. Like, they're just on a giant angry rampage, killing indiscriminately. Yeah, they're killing everybody. The werewolves, the military, slayers. Yeah. Buffy and Willow are realizing the giants aren't on their side, and getting their powers back is seeming unlikely, but Buffy takes a jeep out because she sees a hurt Riley across the way. They take him back to the temple where Team Slayer has retreated, and we find out that he was spying on behalf of Buffy. Like, they set this up when she met him in New York, I think? Yes. Some secret meeting, which I think there's an issue that's going to cover that maybe, but we didn't see this. We did know that she was meeting with someone when she was there. Yes. She was like dressing up cute for it. So he should be able to give them all kinds of information about Twilight's plans if he ever wakes up. Twilight maybe knew this the whole time. It's kind of funny because he says Riley's a spy and Warren's like, did you know that the whole time or are you just figuring that out now? I can't tell by the way you're saying that. The way you said it was unclear. And they, he doesn't answer him. We don't know. It's almost like the writers don't know how they feel about yeah. that yet. Twilight's also just kind of fine letting his men die for some reason. Riley does wake up, and he doesn't have an answer to Buffy's problems. So Buffy gives one of her speeches, telling the Slayers they're not getting their powers back, and they're not going to win. All they can do is go out there and bring the wounded from both sides into safety. 
So they do. Again, stressing that Buffy's like a true hero. Like she was on the battlefield, even though she had no powers, like weaving her Jeep between giant legs to go save Riley. And now she's like, we got to save everybody. They're just following orders. Yeah. So they go out there. Buffy gets picked up and dropped by one of the goddesses. Five hours later, Buffy wakes up in like some snow, but now she can fly. I don't exactly know what I'm seeing here. But. Yeah, so let's talk about that. So one of the goddesses or wrath gods grabs her and looks at her. And then, like you said, it seems to just sort of drop her. doesn't hurt her, but it seems to, like, look at her, recognize something, and then just drop her. Mm-hmm. And then, fast forward to Buffy waking up, and she's floating? Right. At first I thought she was giant, but I think that was just kind of the way it was drawn. But yeah, I, I think she's floating. So Buffy's got a new power, and that's the end of what we read. Brian, was, was this, this a, a good, good episode? One? <laughs> good chunk? I don't know. There's stuff I liked about it. There's definitely, as we mentioned, the humor is still in the comics. The voices for the characters are written well. And it's fun to see, like, Oz again. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's fun when they throw in old characters. And I actually kind of liked Willow's complex feelings because that's just how humans are. Like, a human who's a good person might still feel some jealousy that they know they shouldn't feel, but, like, they do. And they're trying to wrestle with that. So I kind of like that about Willow. She's like upset, but like, no, she shouldn't be, but like can't help but be. It was weird that she was all better. And then the next day she was not, though. Yeah, I agree about that. I also agree that like their whole plan is like, what? This nonsense? Like, oh, we're going to get rid of our powers. Like, you need your powers to fight, though. Yeah, it just seems, you're right, easier to keep running away than to like abandon their huge advantage. Yes, absolutely. And the fight scene wasn't that exciting. There was some humor in it, though. And the Dawn Xander thing, to me, seemingly sort of came out of nowhere. Like, they could have teased that a little bit more, I feel like. They've definitely shown Xander and Dawn being very close in the comics. And they always were. And she was in love with him when she was a child. Absolutely. But it just seems like, and now we're together. And I was like, okay, well, I would have loved a little bit more tension in the background. Like, you had a girlfriend that you cried over dying, like, ten comics ago. So... I bet we'll dive into that more and like how Buffy feels about it soon. Sure. Yeah. Although we are still in the middle of this saga. The next issue is a different issue. Like this was the end of the five part saga, but like we're kind of still in the middle of what just happened. Yeah. Uh, But overall, like, like I said, it's funny. The voices are there. It's fun to see these people. It's cool to be to see Oz again. The relationships are still relevant. Like I really enjoyed Buffy and Giles hugging. Like made me like my heart swell a little bit. And I love that Faith's back. And Andrew's very funny. The swell? But what is happening? What's that? The swell? The- you said it made your heart swell. The swell? <laughs> I'm going to eat your ovaries, bitch. <laughs> That's just the vampy cat inside of me. That's not how I truly feel. Yeah. What about you? Do you have any other thoughts? Uh, not really. It was, um, I, I enjoyed it. Like, you know, reading the issues is fun. The, the characters aren't the same as the ones from the show. and The, the humor is really great. But this chunk was the first one where I was like, wait, what is this choice, though? Giving up their magic seemed crazy. Yeah, agreed. And, like, so much work. It, like, just them, like, doing manual labor to, like, get rid of their magic. I don't know. I didn't really, like, buy the... I know it's not science. It's, like, religion. But I didn't really buy the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. justification for, like, how they're removing their magic. I don't know. Yeah, I hear you. And the werewolves showing up was stupid. And they, they really had no effect. They might as well just not have been there. I did kind of enjoy the harmony stuff. I know you have issues with how vampires wouldn't want to do this, but I do think it will come to a head at some point. And yeah. There will be vampires like Sin that start taking back the old vampire ways. Mm-hmm. 
I, I feel like they just have to cut a lot of corners because there's just a limited page count, you know? Like, in an episode, they could do montages and, like, have a lot of dialogue, but they can't do that with this. So they're sort of just like, we're not going to address every plot point because we just do not have time. Right. And also the logic of the Faith Giles where they went to the Slayer Sanctuary. is like, what is any of this? What? Yeah, that one felt kind of fillery. I don't know how much of that will, like, come back. But overall, I'm still enjoying it, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Well, if you want to follow along, next time we will be discussing Gilmore Girls, A Year in the Life, Fall. I hear it's a good one. You've seen it already. We, uh, we watched it before we went to FanFest. Yeah, but I only go by what I've heard. I don't go by my own opinion. <laughs> we are going to watch it again. I, spoilers, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. That's what I hear from Stacey um, and myself. <laughs> I didn't plan on crying. You didn't plan on crying? A lot of times I'll plan my cries I out. schedule I'll my like, cries. You know what? I think I could fit a cry in today. Between lunch. But uh, we're very excited to discuss that because it is the, the last piece of Gilmore Girls. For now. Yes. For now. Amy Sherman I just Paladino. saw an article that Amy was like, yeah, there's no plans to do another one. No, she just did an interview where she's like, it's never off the table. Sure. But that there are no plans, plans. But it's, you know, it could happen. In the meantime, we would love to hear your thoughts on the third part of Buffy season eight. Do you ship Dawn and New Xander? What do you think about them giving up their magic to hide? No, I thought there was a word coming after hide. It was just <laughs> How do you feel about that thrice wise? Did he do it for you in his actual form? What do you think about Harmony taking over vampire culture and uh, vampires being cool now? What's the best way to fight off a werewolf with a knife? Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on episodes, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an E-Y. You can find more bonus content on our Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, host monthly live-streamed watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. And shout out to our new Patreon subscriber, Liz M. Thank you. For more Brian and Stacy content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. And if you want to support our content in a different way, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode descriptions and in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I'm going to put my essence into the ground. Is your essence that vampy cat that's inside of you? Shut your feminine mouth. (laughs) Okay. No, big deal. They are cute for a little bit. (laughs) See you next time. See you guys. Bye. Bye.